0: This is Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. Call the show now at 760 480 8477. Email us at officehours at wscal.edu. Now, Scott Clark.
1: In our last episode, we began a discussion with four Westminster Seminary, California students about their experience at seminary. As promised, here's part two of our discussion with Shireen David, Angelo Contreras, Leon Brown, and Craig Marshall. So as you think about your life before seminary and during seminary, now as you come to the end of the whole thing, if you had to think of one or two ways in which seminary has changed you, what would those be?
2: I would say uh, two ways in particular. One, it's changed uh, my relationship with my wife Uh, she'll tell you, she should probably answer this question Uh, prior to coming here. um, And I guess there's still some remnants there, obviously, because I'm a sinner, but very stubborn. We were were going to talk to you about that, Uh, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, very stubborn, very Um, hard-nosed. While I understood the gospel and while it had affected my life, there were still some some boundaries there, uh, areas that I just wouldn't let the gospel work in me. And so coming here and having the gospel penetrate not only the courses, but also the chapel services, it just, it, it softened my heart and it just caused me to not only love my, my wife more, but also to love the church more.
3: It's really fueled my my heart for people, not just the lost, but for the church as well. We've had the opportunity to study here, to be, um, to be trained, to be given the, the the principles and the tools to to read scripture, and so with that in mind, I all the more look forward to ministering to people, whether it's on the street when I just meet someone or within the the, the walls of the church. I just have a a, a continual love and and uh, just fire to bring that to people, and so far from from thinking that, as Craig said, that we have our heads in the clouds we 've really been brought just truth and and how that should bear on the lives of people it's been wonderful
4: i think i if if you had asked me before coming to Westminster, do you have a high view of the Word of God and of church? I would have said of course i do it's It's really important, but I think coming away from this, just my understanding of The Word of God and how the Spirit uses it and what is done through it, through the church, through the regular means of grace, and and just the opportunities we have to bring that Word to bear in people's lives has just been something that's really been humbling, but also encouraging. And it it builds in a confidence as well, just knowing God's Word is amazing. Let me show you how amazing it is. so. So far, the
1: discussion has been very serious, and rightly so, because you're engaged in pretty significant study. Medical students will prepare to practice medicine for 20, 30, or or 40 years perhaps and do, we hope, a lot of good and help a lot of people. But at the end of the day, all their patients are going to die, and there isn't anything ultimately they can do to change that. Uh, What you are preparing to do when you leave this place and what you've already begun doing in some instances has a potential effect that far transcends anything any medical doctor will ever do. Because you are bringing the word of life to dead sinners, and God the Holy Spirit uses that word to do supernatural things. That is, bring dead sinners to life and give them faith in Jesus, and thereby to unite them to Him. So, very serious work that you're doing here. But it isn't all serious all the time. Talk about your life away from the classroom.
3: Well, for myself, I you know I try to um, get away and 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 go out into the wilderness. I've had the opportunity to take a few groups and such, but at the same time, we still bring with us. All that we've learned, I mean, we're so saturated in in the truth of Scripture that it it is difficult. I mean, you can't get away from it. But nevertheless, you allow it to continue to bear on you and how you relate to others and how you continually love them and build a relationship in Christ. And I think that's been wonderful being here is, is getting to know people like my fellow students here and to look forward to building those relationships throughout time. So you're talking the fine points of exegesis, even as you're as you're <laughs> rock climbing. In some ways, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you have a lot of time to talk, and so you're talking. We we had the uh, Reformation party actually just last October, and then the October before, and that gave us actually a, a good opportunity to. Though there were seminarians all around, there were more than just seminary students there. And the task was, let's, let's not talk theology. Of
1: course, it was a Reformation party. <laughs> <Sure>. so, <laughs> so, you, so when we say not talking theology, it, we're using it in a fairly strict sense. <laughs> what is it like hanging out with students away from the classroom, maybe sitting in the bookstore? Or I know some of you have gone bicycling and things.
4: I haven't spent a lot of time with with other students as much. Having a a young daughter, she was six months when we started and now almost four. It's it's just been amazing being able to spend time with my family here in Southern California. Uh, What a fun place to be doing seminary and uh wild animal park around and the amazing food my wife and i like to save up and and uh go out and just enjoy uh the different cuisines that are around here and it's been great too when company comes into town to visit or whatever and you get an excuse to go do some other things in the area it's been a real blessing
1: for us currently the temperature in buffalo is 38 degrees there we go
4: yeah wow I learned an important lesson about fish tacos as well. Um, we were excited when we he came here. Rubio's Taco Tuesdays every Tuesday. We did that the first semester I was here every Tuesday, and my wife will not eat a fish taco, and I I still love them. And so I realized you should really pace that, uh, even though it's a great delight. So
0: You're listening to Office Hours from, Office from Westminster Seminary, California.
5: My entire time in seminary, I've been living with other seminary women. So when I come home... We're outside of class, but we still definitely bring everything that we've been thinking about all day in class to our discussions. So I, I can remember countless times where we've just enjoyed talking about, oh, my goodness, I, I never knew that before, you know, from something that we had learned in class that day or a newer understanding of the gospel in late night conversations with my roommate, we should be going to sleep, you know, or things like that. But we have fun too. With a bunch of women, we like to entertain and have people over and have dinner and and things like that. And so it's been a great community bonding with fellow students, definitely.
1: Leah, I know you've been active in a number of things away from campus. One of the things in which you've been involved is evangelism on some of the local college campuses. So Talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, since I've uh, been here the last uh, two and a half, going on three years, I've, I've had the privilege of taking some of uh, the students to Cal State San Marcos, and we go out there just to share Christ with people and invite them to church, and it, it's been an amazing experience because virtually every student that has come with me has always said, it's not as bad as I thought. <laughs> and they see these students receiving the gospel, hearing it, and saying, I'll think about it. Many even come to church, so that's
3: been a, a fruitful time.
1: Where's your favorite place to hike, Angela?
3: In this area, I would have to say Idyllwild. It kind of brings to Southern California a little bit of the Sierra Nevadas. Uh, Me and my wife often also go to Mount Woodson, just south of here. We do that mainly for training, but it it also reminds us of, of being back home in Northern California. Beautiful, beautiful area. We don't it's interesting, you know. I, I didn't hear anyone mention the beach. You know, we're, we're we're right here by the beach, but me personally, if if I have the opportunity, me and my wife actually go further east, away from the beach. I think we since we've been here three and a half years, we've been there twice. But it's beautiful.
1: I remember a few years back, a couple of our students, one of whom is now on our faculty, is famous for going surfing early in the morning and taping his Hebrew paradigms onto his surfboard covering it with plastic.
3: I think that's a great picture of where we're at at times. You know, you ask the question of, you know, well, what do you do when you get away? Well, in a sense, we get away, but, you know, we always have those those paradigms laminated to something before us.
5: I had my uh, Greek flashcards on my little three-ring binder thing and uh, take it to the grocery store even while I'm waiting in line and just go through them.
1: What do you think people should know about Westminster Seminary, California, that they don't know?
3: I think as a community, it's very accessible. It's it's an open community. The people here, as well as the professors, are just so warm, kind, and friendly, and uh, I've had the benefit of being here for three years and experiencing that, building relationships with both the profs as well as the students. And so in some ways, you know, we're very academic, certainly, but we're not anti social because of that. You know, there's there's a, a very strong social atmosphere here where people love each other, and that's wonderful. Have you been able to spend time with the faculty? Oh, yes.
2: I I spend. I, since my first semester here, I remember every Tuesday I sat down with Dr. Howell Jones and talked about preaching. I've had the opportunity to go over to their homes and to go out to lunch, like we went out to lunch a few weeks ago, Dr. Clark. So I've never been turned down by anyone here, whether it's office hours, to meet with them and talk about theological issues or to talk about my marriage or, or anything else.
5: Yeah, I think I've wandered down faculty row countless times with some sort of burning theological question, and anyone was there willing to talk to me about it, even if it's not class-related.
3: Or even personal issues, something that, that isn't so theological, but something that we may be going through personally and and being able to share that with a professor who we look up to as, as a mentor and him to be able to just work with us in that regard.
2: I, I would also add to kind of like what you just said, Angelo, uh, something that other prospective students may not know is that the faculty is really here for us. Like if I'm struggling with something, or I might, I might send someone a text message and I get a response back, or get an email to ask how I'm doing. I remember when I went to the hospital because I had the flu. Everyone called, everyone texted. I got an email from staff and students alike saying, "How are you? Can we help? Can we drive up to where you are?" And so really, uh, the staff is, is here for us. From a perspective student perspective, I guess one thing that when I came
4: part time for quite a while, I kind of got the feeling that everyone faculty and students alike all knew all these reform terms and that's all they'd ever known and being here for a while it was really interesting to learn how the professors had come from backgrounds where they often didn't know these things and and a lot of the students didn't as well but in the classroom you could feel like i have no idea what's going on but you find out that's it's been everyone's experience and, and we all help each other through that it's great
0: in the 17th century, John Bunyan gave us the character, Mr. Valiant for Truth. In the 20th century, God gave us another Mr. Valiant for Truth, Jake Gresham Machen, the founder of Westminster Seminary. The spirit of Machen lives on at Westminster Seminary, California, where for 30 years we've been fulfilling his vision of preparing men for ministry and teaching them to be expert in the Bible. Wscal.edu, eight 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 Westminster Seminary, California, for Christ, His Gospel, and His Church. Shereen, what was your background before coming to seminary?
5: I was new, fairly new, to Reformed theology. I didn't know very much at all. So coming here was like fire hose kind of thing, but I would have it no other way. It has really helped to explain all of the details. And even though I felt like I came in pretty ignorant. There was no harsh tones. There was no condescension. It was just graciousness. And here, let me help you understand this. I know you don't understand this now, but let me help you. You know, you're going to get this. It's going to be light bulbs and you're going to think this is great, you know? And so I was very grateful for patience of the faculty and of fellow students, too. I could talk to any of my my brothers or sisters here and just ask them questions about things that I didn't understand. And they were more than willing to explain it to me, even if it was the basics, you know, and they were still helpful. So even coming from a non-reformed background, coming here where it's thoroughly reformed, it was still a, a gracious transition.
2: I did not grow up and. the... Uh... Christian home. I When I joined the Navy, I was saved at my first duty station, actually, overseas. Uh, a pastor of a church invited me to church, and I went, and the Lord worked through that. That was a Pentecostal church, so that's the environment in which I was saved. And then when I left England and came back to the U.S., I went to more of a broadly evangelical, maybe a Calvary chapel type of church and continued there. And one day, I had a new friend who asked me a question about something I had written on the back of a gospel track, and that turned my world upside down. And so I immediately went to a a bookstore—my wife will tell you the same story—down in San Diego and picked up Lorraine Botner's book on predestination, and that began my journey to a Reformed understanding of things.
3: Like the first two before me, uh, I also had an evangelical background. I was raised in a Christian home, but at an early age— stopped going to church. Um, It wasn't until my college years that I began to attend again, was convicted of my sin. And I also came to the Reformed tradition through Calvinism, was introduced by a friend to Calvinism, wondered why my church had not been teaching it, or even though some of of the pastors and ministers there believed it, they didn't really practice it in their their worship service, if I could say that. Uh, And so Me and a group of friends went out and we we looked for a reformed church and... Opened up my eyes to a, a number of things.
1: And when you say Calvinism, you're referring to the doctrines of grace, the, oh, the doctrines el- the of election grace. and so forth. Yes,
3: yes, yes, yes.
4: Yeah, real similar. Grew up in a, a Christian home, broadly evangelical and um, Calvinistic in a sense. You have to deal with election somehow if you're uh, talking about the Bible, but there seemed to be lots of holes in it that left me wondering about things. And then dispensational background as well, which really started to not fit how I saw the scriptures as I was exposed to some reformed thinking. And so I was really excited to come here and and hear that whole picture and then start to realize what lies behind all that, the covenant theology that undergirds it and, and the whole approach and hermeneutic of
1: scripture. It's been a great experience.
0: Office hours. From Westminster Seminary,
1: California. You have a certain way of reading scripture and understanding the whole story, and then you begin to have doubts about that. Walk us through that. How did that go? I
4: think wrestling's a great term because that's really what it is. There's there's excitement in it as you start to there's things that you feel uncomfortable about about how how could it really be this narrowly focused and how could everything be all about just ethnic Israel in the end when the New Testament seems to talk so much about how Gentiles are are God's people too and then when you start putting election together with that and realizing there's there's been one people of God from beginning to end that you're not just some second-class Christian so you get excited about that but then also you start to wrestle with am I not taking the Bible literally anymore what what does that mean how do we justify this hermeneutic it's amazing to start to see Christ at the center of scripture and uh, realize the gospel throughout. And it's not a, a different gospel in the Old Testament almost and, and one in the new. It's, it's an exciting process, but then there's there's this continual tension in your brain as you start to realize how many aspects of your faith are affected by how you've approached these things all along. But then just consistently finding great answers in the Reformed tradition of how to approach these things, it, it was... um. It was worth the wrestling, I felt.
1: Leon, you've been wrestling with some pretty difficult questions through your whole time here at seminary. How has that been for you?
2: As, as Craig said, it, it's definitely something that, that we wrestle with, or more particularly that I wrestled with. When I got here and I had to take uh, one of my first classes with Dr. Horton, and we went through his book, uh, The Introduction to Covenant Theology, everything seemed to be fine and dandy. And I, I said, okay, I can put these pieces together in a particular manner. But one thing that always and I guess I say this loosely, kind of held me back from embracing covenant theology as the Reformed tradition, or more particularly the Bible defines it, was baptism. So for three years, I I read virtually every book I can get my hands on regarding the Reformed understanding of baptism and the Credo Baptist or Reformed Baptist uh, understanding of baptism, and I held on to my Credo Baptist understanding of it. I saw no reason to change position until last semester, fall 2010, I had a class with uh, Dr. Van Drunen, and I wrote my second paper refuting the Reformed view of baptism, got it back, had some comments on it, I read it, and Dr. Van Drunen said, I, I think you have a very robust understanding of the doctrine of baptism, all I ask is that you reconsider your conclusion. And so I kind of shoved the paper away, didn't think much about it. And then I picked it up again this year, and I realized that the strongest arguments that I had for the credo-baptist position actually support the pedo-baptist position. And I continued to wrestle with it, showed these things to my wife, and she said to me, she said, if you would have explained pedo-baptism like that to me two years ago, I would have believed it. And so now I feel as if I have to go back and kind of reread all those first-year books to <laughs> see what I really thought I understood. At the same time, it's
1: not as if everybody comes to the same exact same conclusions about every issue, and certainly not at the same time, right? There is a certain kind of diversity on campus, theological diversity, ethnic diversity, ecclesiastical diversity, personal diversity. so how does that work being together on campus in class in the student lounge, eating lunch with folks who hold a variety of different points of view?
5: I think we have healthy discussion in student lounge and you know wherever we are on campus um, and there's always respect. There's always respect there, respect with healthy discussion. I
3: think we've been able to experience that in our senior seminar course where we read a few articles dealing with a specific theological topic. And then we come into the class, I don't know what, 30 or 40 seniors, and we discuss this topic and yeah, a number of us have a variety of views on this one issue, and so it's it's great to to be able to hear someone else and their position and compare it to your own. And in a sense, it's it's uh, iron sharpening iron.
1: Are you better prepared now to work with people with whom you disagree than before you came?
3: Yes, yeah. I th- I think we've been exposed to. To our own position, our own tradition, but also to the thoughts of others. And they've been presented in a way that we need to square with that. We need to understand it, first of all, before we critique it, but then recognize and remember what we hold and how that is different from that other view. So you're not afraid of or threatened by views
1: with which you disagree.
4: Yeah, that's been something great about the whole process is just coming to become more confident of your own views. But then I really appreciate how all the faculty have really implanted into our brains. You need to understand the other position before you can critique it. And I I felt like that that really took my ability to entrance into other people's views uh, to
1: another level. You're listening to
0: Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. If you were talking
1: to someone who was thinking about going to seminary, but just not sure. I mean,
0: there are all these
1: different schools out there. I might have to travel a ways to go to Westminster Seminary, California. I'm not sure about living in Southern California. I'm not even sure, you know, that I'm entirely on board with this whole Reformed thing. Whatever doubts, questions that you might have had at one time and that you know they have, speak to the student who's thinking about seminary, but not sure where they should go. Why should that person attend Westminster Seminary, California. Just do it. You said that with confidence. Why?
5: It's a great place to learn. You. It's so hard to have everything figured out before you come to seminary, before you come to a place, wherever it may be, whichever seminary it may be. And I've found that Westminster has been a wonderful place to learn and to grow in an understanding where people are gracious and we can learn without being intimidated.
2: And I also think there, as you examine other seminaries, one of the things that you'll notice, I mean, across the board, nationwide, that a lot of these seminaries that may have started out somewhat conservative or very conservative are now becoming liberal, saying things like at the historicity of Adam no longer exist, Adam, the first Adam didn't exist, and uh, God didn't really flood the earth, or, or Eve wasn't made from—I mean, all these different things. And, and here, the professors stand by the authority of Scripture, and if we're wrestling with something, they come alongside of us, and they help us to understand what we're wrestling with and why we need to see it a certain way.
3: I think because of the balance, the academic rigor, as well as the, the caring and compassion that, that you receive from the professors,
2: I really feel like at the
4: end of my experience understanding that i got my money's worth out of it that was one thing i when i initially started pursuing my mdiv there's a part of me that's thinking let's just find a program where you can do it and be done and have that degree and things about westminster were actually not attractive like the emphasis on the languages that's that's a lot of work i knew that from the beginning that was going to be a pain and other seminaries you can just bypass that and then uh it's not real friendly for distance education or whatever. You have to come here and do it. And then having done this, you see, wow, that was really beneficial. I feel like I was really challenged.
1: What is church life like? How have you found congregations? And what's it like
2: to go to church with your profs in the cases that you do? Well, I actually don't attend a church with any of my professors because I live an hour away. So for, for those of you who are listening, don't let the, the drive be something that holds you back. But uh, we have five other students. Our five total that attend the church with me. And uh, so that's been a great experience, getting together, working together, having our internships together. But church has been amazing because one of the things that shocked me when I first got here wasn't only baptism, but it was liturgy. I come from a background where you, you come into church and there might be a prayer, a couple of songs, maybe a sermon, and then another prayer, you turn around and go home and you treat Sunday as if it's like Monday through Saturday. And so when I first started going to a Reformed church and there was a call to worship, there was a confession of faith, a confession of sin, a declaration of pardon, all these different things. It just shocked me because I said, what, what have I gotten myself into? But what this helped me to do was research. And it really showed me that I had not done any research on worship all this time. And I had just accepted what everyone else was doing. And so then I began to do research, and church just became great for not only me, but for my wife, and we be- began to embrace the liturgical elements, and we would have it absolutely no other way. As a matter of fact, I have a friend in town, and he said if he ever moved to Southern California, he would go to our church, because he's never experienced anything like that.
3: Going to church with with profs has really just added to the, the element of the fellowship that is there that you have while being here on campus. Just seeing that you know, we we look up to them. We look up to our professors. We see them. We hold them up in a certain way. But yet, when we attend church and we're sitting in the pews right next to them, it causes us to realize they need the gospel just like us. You know, I've oftentimes thought, how would I preach this if? Dr. Godfrey was in the service, you know, because I've had the chance of preaching in in a service with him there. And I've I've had to ask that question and then square with the fact that he needs the gospel as well. And so I need to preach the gospel.
1: And when you're in the pulpit, you're standing before God, who is even more important than Dr. Godfrey. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So... Where are you going from here? What are your plans? What are you hoping to do,
4: Craig? Ultimately, the goal is to pursue pastoral ministry. And the next step that that my family has in place is I'm going to be working full time at a a biblical counseling center that we have. And... uh, Getting trained in that more myself to kind of give me more experience that will prepare me for pastoral ministry as the long-term goal.
3: I have a three-month internship back home in Ripon, California at my home church. After that, I will prepare for my candidacy exam. My candidacy exam will happen on in October, the end of October in the URC. And then from there, I hope to be a candidate and pursue or be called by a church to pastoral position.
2: I, like Angelo, have two potential internships on the table for the OPC. And uh, one is in Southern California. The other is in Michigan. Uh, those are two potential uh, internships, which uh, my wife and I are hoping will turn into something permanent.
5: I will be working for my denominational missions organization, overseeing work. For India and Sri Lanka. I'm also getting married in September, so that's on the congratulations. Those to do. Thank you.
1: And you're getting married to A Westminster Seminary California alumnus. Yes, I am. That's not why you came.
5: That is absolutely not why I came. It's just a bonus.
1: Just a bonus. So, so we're not promising the listener will necessarily f- find a spouse, but it does happen sometimes.
0: Thanks for listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary California. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe now to Office Hours in iTunes. Find all the shows at wscal.edu slash office Copyright Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved.